Have you ever wondered who else is out there? I mean, like, out there beyond Earth? Is that just a weird thought this morning? Y'all are looking at me like, wow, that's, that's way out there. But seriously, have you ever been out in the middle of a, maybe a starry night and you, uh, the clouds clear and you're able to see? It just seems like forever out there. And you begin to wonder as you look up there, what else is there? And uh, especially with all of the ancient um, discoveries on uh, all of the documentary channels and everything that, where you can find out about the you know, ancient Mayans uh, connecting with extraterrestrial um, aliens and all different kinds of things, you begin to wonder what else is out there and is there, even though you might not have seen anything, and if you have, just keep that to yourself, but even if, if you haven't seen any kind of alien form, then you could know, at least if you're a rational person, that you can't rule it out, right? There could, even Billy Graham said that, uh, this was like back in the 50s or something, really freaked people out, that there could be other people on planets and that God could have sent Jesus to them as well. Interesting thought. And C.S. Lewis is an alien. <laughs> and uh, one of the things, and, and you can see right here, uh, there are a lot of different um, Earth-like planets that are out there. In fact, some scientists have said maybe four or 5,000 that have been counted already that uh, are so much like the Earth that we cannot really understand everything we need to know about them because they are so far away. We have great and powerful telescopes, but really scientists are at that point right now where they cannot uh, get more information without better telescopes. There was an article this past week on the front page of the New York Times about this, and it says, so many Earth-like planets, so few telescopes. It's a big universe. This is written by Dennis Overby. It says, it's a big universe, but it's full of small planets. Astronomers announced on Tuesday that they had found eight new planets orbiting their stars at distances compatible with liquid water, bringing the total number of potentially uh, habitable uh, planets in the just right Goldilocks zone to a dozen or two, depending on how the uh, zone of a star is defined. NASA's Kepler spacecraft, now in its fifth year of seeking out the shadows of planets circling other stars, has spotted hundreds and more and more of these other worlds that look a lot like Earth, rocky balls only slightly larger than our own home, that with the right doses of starlight and water could turn out to be veritable gardens of microbial Eden. Interesting to think about. He says, as the ranks of these planets grow, astronomers are planning the next step in the quest to end cosmic loneliness. Did you know you had that, by the way? <laughs> if, if you haven't been uh, diagnosed with that, today you have. Cosmic loneliness, gauging which uh, hold the greatest promise for life and what tools will be needed to learn about them. And so they realize there is such a great chance that there are uh, life forms on these other planets. We just can't quite get out there far enough to make sure. 
the article goes on to talk about more powerful instruments will be needed. Who knows, maybe in our lifetime we'll get an answer to that. Maybe we'll have some breakthrough discovery and uh, we'll be able to learn more about it. Well, this particular season that we're in, this uh, part of the Christian year is focused on uh, understanding what is out there and understanding what God has revealed. And so over the span of the next several weeks, um, if you'll uh, look here, you can see uh, all the way up until Lent begins, which seems to come quite early this year on February uh, the, the 15th. As we look at all of these particular dates, we can learn some things about what God has revealed that there is something great, there is something powerful, there is this sense of mystery uh, that is in our world, and yet God is trying to reveal it more and more that we might understand. And the first that we're going to look at is today, a son. What God reveals is a son. And then we'll look at a calling, mercy, power, activity, and then finally, with the Sunday of Transfiguration, we'll look at purpose and what this is all about. But we begin today with a son. If you look here on the wall, you can see uh, different paintings that are representative of different days of really going back to the Annunciation, as you see Mary over here on, on uh, my left. And you can look back and see uh, different scenes that are part of uh, each Sunday as we've gone through Christmas and uh, ending up really over here with the baptism of Christ. We go from the incarnation to the, the Magi. And that was something celebrated around the world this past Tuesday, January the 6th, uh, as this, uh, the day of Epiphany and the Feast of Epiphany. And so we're kind of combining a couple of days into one here on this Sunday. And that brings us to the baptism of Christ. It's kind of hard to go from, we see Jesus in the manger a couple of weeks ago, all the way over here, and Jesus has a beard, and uh, that was really quick. He grew up quickly, and we see that, uh, that he is being baptized by John the Baptist. And we can look and see, we, we don't have a lot of information over the span of those years. We know that Jesus was presented um, in, in the temple. We know that, uh, that Jesus grew up, and we can learn a little bit about his life, especially as he uh, stayed behind as his parents went on, and uh, he stayed there basically in the equivalent of uh, Sunday school. He was learning, and he was trying to, to understand as much as he could. And we know those things about him. But really the, the first significant thing that we see is his baptism. And we just looked at this John the Baptist or John the Baptizer uh, a few weeks ago. And so here we are again looking at this. And I think it's very important that we look at it as much as possible because God is revealing to us something that we need to hear something that we need to know. And one of the, the things that really stands out to be the most important is what is said or what Jesus hears. And other gospel writers record for us that it was not just Jesus that heard this or looked up and saw the Spirit coming down on him uh, like a dove, but that other people understood this as well. There was this affirmation of God's Son for everyone. 
but particularly for Jesus. And this was a great thing. It was epiphany for Jesus to understand where he was in this placement of the kingdom of God. And so if you look at your, your Bible, uh, which uh, should be right there, uh, either you brought one in or there's one on the pew rack right in front of you, and uh, this would be on page 27 in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. And we see here, John, uh, Mark jumps right in there with this proclamation of, of John the Baptist, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and, and really goes on there to describe John's work as the forerunner. But then in verse 9, we get right to it. Mark wastes no time in explaining to us what was going on. He says, Jesus was baptized. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And so there is this tearing apart of heaven. This ripping really is a, a better word for it. Heaven is ripped open and there is this revelation that takes place right there as John was about to baptize Jesus in the Jordan River. What an incredible thing. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. These were great words for Jesus to hear. That he was God's son. That he was affirmed. That he was beloved. And that God was well pleased with him. In the fullness of time, in a time when there was great need for a Messiah to come and for someone to deliver them from their oppression and deliver them from their sins and provide them with a way through the desert, Jesus arrived on the scene. And so God's saying, this is great. It is, it is time for something to happen, and this is where it's going to happen, right here in Jesus. And to begin this work, he is going to be baptized. He is going to enter these waters, and John's been getting ready for him, and John's been getting the world ready for him as well, calling people to come out and turn their lives around and adjust their agendas so that they would be about God's business and not their business. And now it's time for Jesus to begin this very important work, this work of the kingdom. It's interesting to think about, and you can see in the, the various paintings uh, of Jesus, this is the closest one I could find to represent my faith in terms of my Baptist faith and heritage to where Jesus almost looks like he's getting immersed. And we know, we know he was immersed, right? Amen. Uh, there is no clamshell that's there, but in most pictures you see that there is that anointing, it, and, and certainly um, it's represented in, in different ways throughout art. But um, as Jesus is entering into the baptismal waters, we wonder, why in the world did Jesus get baptized? I mean, we, we understand, I think, why we get baptized, and we may have differing opinions about that or the method of that, uh, but certainly we, we understand that Jesus really had no need. He, he was not repenting of anything. 
he uh, was, it wasn't that he had this huge sin problem and he heard John preaching and decided it's time to go out into the waters and, and turn my life around. If we think about it in terms of God's identification with us, as Jesus entered the waters, he identified with our need in life, our greatest need, and that is a relationship with God. He identifies with our humanity. He identifies with our suffering. He identifies and leads us out of those waters into a better place and into a a completely different uh, part of God's kingdom. And so we hear all of this, and we can imagine ourselves kind of off to the side, being affirmed by what God has to say to us. Epiphany. God's revelation. Seth Godin um, is just a a great writer, and in his book, Tribe, he writes about a friend of his, Jacqueline, and she tells the story of how UNICEF spent a fortune creating posters to promote the idea of child vaccination to the mothers of Rwanda. The posters were gorgeous, Photographs with women and children with simple messages written in Kinyarwandan, the local language, about the importance of vaccinating every child. They were perfect, except for the fact with a female illiteracy rate exceeding 70%. Words written in perfect Kinyarwandan, you try to say that three times fast, made little difference because they couldn't read it. They could see the pictures and maybe understand something about the message of it, but they they couldn't get it. Jacqueline noticed that the way messages spread in Rwanda was by song. One group of women would sing a song for other women, both as a way of spreading ideas and as a gift. No song, no message. Your tribe communicates, Godin says. You, I mean, your people, you communicate, whether it's at work or at school or wherever place you happen to be in, you communicate in some way or another. They probably don't do it the way you would. They don't do it as efficiently as you might like, but they communicate. The challenge for the leader, Godin says, is to help your tribe sing whatever form that song takes. I think that's what God realized with us, that we just weren't getting it. Prophets would come to us, these uh, speakers for God, and these different things that would take place in the world, and maybe it was an epiphany like a burning bush for Moses, or maybe it was something else that uh, was a way that God would speak. But it seems like that the illiteracy rate among humankind was, was just so high. We just couldn't get it. And so God decides to sing for us a song. And if we think about Jesus as that beautiful song, that that music that speaks to every need and and everything that that we wonder about in life and and everything that uh, we desire would happen for us, God speaks that in such a way that we understand it. The challenge for us is to listen. Isn't it? That we could hear the melody. That we could listen to the things that that God is singing to us in Jesus Christ. 
As we enter into this season of Epiphany, we ought to spend time listening. I think there were people lined up along the Jordan River as Jesus was baptized who were listening to what was going on out there. They heard the words of John, and they would understand that John was beginning to move out of the picture, and Jesus was emerging all the more in the picture. And so something was going on about Jesus. And so they would listen to him from then on. And we need to do the same. There's so many other noises in our world. There's a lot of music that's out there. But what are we hearing? As we begin a brand new year, maybe you've already started it in a way that you feel pretty good about. Or maybe um, January 2nd, you realize this is going to be another tough one. Whatever the case, we have an opportunity this morning. And with this new season, as we uh, begin our walk towards Lent coming up, next month, to just spend some quiet time alone with God, listening to the voice of God say to us, this is my son. I have chosen to enter into uh, this world through human flesh that I could relay a message, uh, something that you desperately need to hear. And I am well pleased with my son's work in this world. I mean, think about it. Ever since Jesus entered the world, what has been going on with Jesus? What's been going on with the church? And, and, and we know there are some really uh, depressing things that have gone on in the church throughout church history. But we know there's some really incredible things that have taken place as well with the body of Christ in the world. And as God looks at the work of Jesus. He is well pleased. What about with us and our lives and the work that we are to be doing in this world? Are we listening to what God has to say to us and seeing what is being revealed about our time and our day? Jesus left the Jordan River and He went out um, into the wilderness. And we'll look at that some more where He would spend 40 days Uh, fasting and praying out in the wilderness. But that was his beginning of ministry. There were so many things for him to do. And he was overwhelmed by all of, of the things that were going on around him. And yet he continued to move toward Jerusalem. And there's so many things that are going on around us as well. God has called us to do great and powerful things in our world today. You heard some of those testimonies during our our time of testimony earlier where someone made such a huge difference in in a person's life that it changed them forever. We all have people like that, don't we? And God has called you to be one of those kinds of people. That you could be an influencer, whether it's with children here in our church or whether it's someone that you sit down and eat a meal with on Thursday nights around the Highland Blessing dinner table, whether it's someone that you serve clothes to in in one of the closets here at the Highland Center, or it's somebody that you see as you go back home today and you realize that you have great influence over that person, a way to shine God's light into that person's life. We've all been called 
to hear the affirmation of God, not only for Jesus, but for our lives as well. If we go back to those planets and we begin to think about those, we could think, man, it sure would be great to know what is out there. And not just what is out there, but who is out there. A completely different kind of world. If we think about our spiritual lives, as we look ahead to this next year, we ought to be able to look with that same kind of hope and curiosity. What will God reveal as you go through this next year? What will you allow God to reveal to you? Let's pray.